Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 79 of the What Do We Do podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by hip-hop industry icon, Freddie Paradigm Beauregard. From writing raps, producing albums, and even being Kid Rock's legendary DJ, he's here to talk Grammys, touring the world, and so much more. It's going to be a great show, so let's go. Welcome to What Do We Do? A podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning featuring key leaders in our communities. Hosted by founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Stefan. Tune in to hear how you can plan for and live your your best best life. Welcome back to another episode of the What Do We Do podcast. I'm your host, Dewey Stefan, and this is an episode where we bring in a leader in the community who has a story to tell, knowledge to share, and advice to give. And today's guest is here to tell his amazing story with all of us. I'm so fired up to welcome Freddie Paradigm Beauregard to the show. Dime, how's it going? What's happening, Dewey? How are you? Man? Good to what see up, you. Though? What's happening? What up, Doe? I've heard that said before. Yeah, that's the Detroit. That's like a... It's the Detroit hello. The Detroit There's hello. no other way around. It's like, what up, though? It's, if you hear somebody say it, you're like, oh, it's a Detroiter. Okay. Yeah. Well, how about we say, what up with you now? How's it going, and uh, what's going on with you? Uh, things are going really well, man. I'm, I'm extremely busy. I got lots of hats on right now, lots of, lots of irons in the fire, as they say. Um, but I got no complaints, man. Life is really, really good. I'm really blessed. Well, happy to be here. I have heard through the grapevine that you're actually rehearsing for a tour. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to maybe do a, uh, you know, a big release right here on the show and let us know what you're rehearsing for, what tour, and when's it started, well, what's the uh, four one one? Yeah, the uh, uh, so there's another Kid Rock, a small tour. It's a, it's like it's like a mini tour basically. Like last year we did like forty two cities or something like that. This is more like eight. Um, so it's more condensed, but we are definitely coming to Detroit for at least one night at little Caesars. Uh, we're hitting Nashville and then a couple other cities, but, um, I mean, whether we do two shows or 200, it's always, you know, off the charts. It's always crazy. It's a big production that I can, I can verify. Yeah. Uh, what's this tour called and do they always have different names and is there a theme to this one or is there, you know, a little bit. A little more rock, a little more country, a little more rap. Is it always kind of the same? What's the uh, 2023 vibe? It's like, it's called the No Snowflakes Tour. Um, but uh, they always have a name, but they don't need one. But I think it's just something that we do. And I say we, Bob does, Kid Rock does. Um, but uh, there's not a theme and there's not like, we never do like a let's do more this or that. It's It's mainly like how many of the best songs can we fit into this two hour block, which is, which is pretty tough. There's a lot of hits, you know what I'm saying? And then there's certain shows, like certain songs that you just want to play live. So fitting that all together is it's like Tetris. It's like musical Tetris. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's never like, let's do more rock or more country or more rap. Sometimes it'll be like just in a, in a feel where he's like, Oh, I want to do cocky. I want to do some of the old hip hop shit, you know, like whatever. So, uh, there's never a plan except to make it bananas. Do they have like an outline though, where, you know, you're going to most nights play these songs in this order and then maybe they just get, you know, changed that day. But is there that set, you know, that's consistent? Yeah, absolutely. So like, that's what we're doing right now. Like when we do rehearsals now, it's basically just getting a set list together. And then, cause there's so many things that, that are, that go into the show, like the production value, the pyro, the lights, 
the video, everything is all tied together. So it's like, there might be a couple of times where we'll be like, let's switch this one out and put this here. But for the most part, we'd like to have a solid because it's a show. You know what I mean? It's it's not just a concert. It's a, it's a full on oh, show. Absolutely. It's, a, it's nuts. It's so. a production. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when is the uh, tour going to begin? Where's the first stop? And uh, when's the last stop, if you know? And uh, sometimes I think with these tours, you add shows in the middle or, you know, whatever the case is. But yeah. uh, what's the story? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know the answer to any of those questions. Okay. I can't remember when the, when okay. <laughs> I can't remember when the first show is. I do. It's going to be summertime. It's mainly July. So I think we hit something uh, towards the end of May, early June. Uh, there's a couple spot dates that are like on the East coast. And then we go to Nashville for a couple nights, Nashville and Detroit will be the big ones. There's something in Cali too, but it's like at this point in my life and my career, they send me my schedule. They send me say like, the car is picking you up at this time and you'll, you know, be back on this day and then everything else fills itself in, you know. For all of our local YouTube viewers and podcast listeners in the Metro Detroit area, most years that Kid Rock, a.k.a. Bob Ritchie, and his touring band known as? Twisted Brown Trucker Band. Twisted Brown Trucker Band. Mm -hmm. um, when you're in town, it's usually at DTE, now known as Pine Knob. Thank but God. I have seen it at LCA before. Yeah. And I know that's where it's coming at now. So yeah. do you even know like what makes that happen? Why, where, when, and how? Or is it just kind of, you know, beyond? Um, I think because we did DTE last Pine Knob. Um, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I just got used to the to the DTE thing, and now it's back to Pine Knob. So right. it's, it's, it's and for all those in uh, audio land and video land that don't know about Metro Detroit, we have one of the most premier amphitheaters oh, in sure. the country for known sure. as Pine Knob. So that's what we're talking about. And our indoor arena downtown where the Red Wings play and the Pistons yeah. play and all of the major concerts come to town like – no like, snowflakes. Like, yeah, right. Like Come to LCA, so. known as Little Caesars Arena. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah, we actually, we were the very first thing at LCA. We, when the doors opened, we were the very first thing. So that was that's kind of a cool thing to tell the kids, you know. But uh, I think as far as why we're there, I think, like I said, we did Pine Knob last. And then I think we want to go back into the city. And also, it's just, sometimes it's nice to not have to deal with the elements. I love summertime tour nights you know what i mean with the sun going down and seeing people on the hill but then on those nights where it's windy or it's raining you know it's like there's zillions of dollars worth of equipment around me and i don't, can't stand feeling moisture in the air you know what i'm saying so it's it's nice to they both have their pros and cons, right? Just like anything. And it probably seems, again, DTE's, uh, I just said it again. Yeah, see? It, it, it's probably nice because Pine Knob is a little older, and maybe, again, it's not as easy to move your equipment right. around and get around. Right. But LC is probably state-of-the-art, oh, and yeah, it's easier to do Top-notch. Top okay. Notch. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, why don't we go from that to a little bit more in depth with you and uh, this guy known as Kid Rock. Like, maybe where did you meet? Love to hear the backstory of uh, how you got from where you were, which was what I know, to where you are now with him and the band. Yeah. Um, as far as how we first met, um, I was doing um, my solo career, my underground hip-hop career, and I was putting out tapes in the neighborhood called The Basement Tapes. And we were selling them out of the trunk. That's kind of how we just made our way. It was me and my cousin Mark, and we just, just made music all the time. And then uh, a close friend of ours who was, like, advanced as a businessman at the time uh, and still is, his name was Shannon Schuler, and he was like, look, you guys need to be bigger than this. I'm, I'm going to find a studio. I'm going to take you to a studio, and I'll pay for it, and we'll, you know, we'll do this all together. Shout out to Shannon Schuler. That's my guy. 
So we go to this white room studio in Detroit, Michigan, you know, great place to be. We heard all about it, read about it. We go in and Kid Rock's sweeping the floor. And I was like, man, that's Kid Rock. And we were like, this is, he was big in Detroit and he was actually, he had a, a national name, but it wasn't like it is now. Right. But, uh, what year are we talking? This what is age like, this is 96. Okay. 96. I'd okay. say, but, uh, you know, the guy Al that, that, uh, owned the studio was like, Hey Bob, this is paradigm. You know, these guys want to record here. And he's like, Oh, it's hip hop shit. Let me hear, let me hear what you got. So we played him some music and he's like, I'm down, you know, let's record in my room over here. And since then, you know, we locked up, we, all had the same friends. I brought all my boys down to the studio. He had his boys at the studio. This is right around the time that he was, you know, doing Devil Without a Cause too. So it was a pretty legendary time in that studio. But that's how we met. And then as far as me um, getting my my gig in the band, I wrote a bunch with him and Uncle Cracker. Uncle Cracker and I are still super close to this day. Uncle Cracker's solo career was going through the roof. And he was like, I can't do both. So they called me up and they're like, you want a job? I was like, I was in New York doing the MTV rap the vote tour, making like $35 a day. And it was, it was dope. Like I was doing great shows. It was, I was killing it. Paradigm was getting big. But then when somebody's like, you want a paycheck every week? I was like, oh yeah, fuck this. I'm out. Like, let's go. So, uh, I've been, you know, been rocking with them ever since. So it's been crazy. What are some of the songs that you've uh, collaborated or uh, wrote, helped write and, uh, involved with? Um, Mainly all the hip hop stuff, uh, but like Cocky, Hillbilly Stomp, American Badass, uh, Forever, a um, bunch of Cracker stuff like Heaven. Cracker and I still write to this day a lot together. Um, so it's been a ton of stuff. Uh, low Life. I mean, I've, I've written on a lot. If I, if I was in the studio and there was a pen close by, I'd find my way to be like, oh, no, I got, I got, a, I got something for that. <laughs> like, what about Tristan Brown, Trucker, uh, in general, the musicians, you know, um, maybe don't get all the credit they deserve because from my perspective, it's one talented crew. It is. There's no, I mean, this last tour that we finished this last, this past year, um, hands down, it's never, the band's never been as tight as we are now. And um, it's, the musicianship is out of this world. The, the camaraderie, I mean, we're a family. We always have been. I love my bandmates. Like they're, they're my second family. We know all about each other's issues and um, you know, it's, it's something special, but when, when you're on stage and you're a musician, that all comes into play. You know what I'm saying? You, there's bands that hate each other. And I think sometimes that that you can feel that you can sense that. So um, you know, we don't always have perfect nights, but pretty damn near it. You know, we're, we're extremely tight and, and good at what we do. No question. And it seems like the band's been around, uh, you know, quite a while together. Yeah. Maybe there's a person that comes and goes, but it seems yeah, like every for time. the most part, I mean, it's, we've been a solid core for now, you know, probably close to 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it, there's from the very beginning, there's the original members like Jason and Stephanie and Jimmy that have been around since day one. Then I came in and then Aaron came in and, a couple of guitar players changed. Marlon came in, who lives right down the street, by the way. So does Jimmy. Um, so do you. Yeah, <laughs> not too far. But yeah, man, it's been it's been uh, it's been crazy. But we're all super tight, and they're some talented sons of bitches. There's no question about it. When you do rehearse, do you? I mean, you do it here in town in a studio, or you guys do it via Zoom? You know, <laughs> like uh, how does that happen? Is everyone all over the country? We, yeah, we have a uh, we have a warehouse space in the area that's got the whole stage set up. Sound. What's the address? Lights. Yeah. <laughs> 1313 hell no uh but yeah so it's that's you know we all meet up there our gears all set up we can just turn the turn the system on and do our thing so what would be 
you know, you've been all over the world, my friend. Yeah. You've been all over the world. So maybe what would be a, a an amazing moment or one that comes to mind, amazing moment or two, you know, from your uh, travels? Yeah, I mean, there, uh, being able being able to play the Grammys, uh, it was beyond cool. Uh, all the MTV VMAs and stuff like that. We did uh, we did all summer long with Lil Wayne at the at the VMAs. Um, we did the European Music Awards. I mean, we've done all the you know like letterman kimmel we've done all those shows which is is always a blast but um i think the coolest thing going to europe was insane um and being able to you know just see the world um but going to iraq and turkey and germany and playing for our troops was for sure and i know that sounds like the you know like the nice answer that everybody wants to hear but it for sure was mind-blowing to see like those men and women out there. And I will tell you one, one really cool thing too. Uh, what, when they take you overseas and they take you to go play for the military, they don't take you to where it's dangerous. They, I mean, it's dangerous, but they don't take you to the, to the shithole. Right. And I will tell you that kid rock himself told them, I don't want to go to the cushy places. I want to go to where it's dangerous. I want to go play for the people that are really up there. And they call it the tip of the spear. And they were like, look, man, if we can't, like, it's not the same thing. And I got videos and pictures. We, you know, we flew on Blackhawks and there's fires down below us. And we got man, you know, cats all around us with machine guns. And we went and it was, in, it was intense, but it, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a crowd so crazy and so excited to see a show either. But I mean, it was, I mean, that's mind blowing. You know what I mean? We're in, we had to do this thing called a midnight or a moonlight takeoff. Uh, so we're in this plane and we're all strapped up with flak jackets and whatever they shut off all the lights in the plane and when you take off it's not like all right we're take off and you know get your drinks and sit down it was like buckling and you went straight up because they don't want you to be able to get shot down or whatever but i mean it's creepy as hell but quite an experience quite an experience when those things go on and whether it's uh you know doing that or even more local where he you know bob just wants to i don't know mix it up or do something are you all on board all the time like hey we're all behind him or are you like oh no what's he doing now what are we getting into i think both okay both you know i mean there's like you know that's my guy and and i i've done all kinds of amazing things in my life uh because of the relationship and the work that i've done with him and uh you know, I got his back no matter what. But there's sometimes where I'll be like, "What? Are you, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing? We're doing what? It's called what? We're huh? But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like that's just like anything else. Like, you, you ever been in a in a bar fight and your boy goes in, you're going in with him. You know what I mean? So. Uh, maybe when you're 21, you're going with them. When you're 31, you might go <laughs> yeah, a little well, slower. Yeah, By yeah, the time yeah. you're 51, you're like, 51, hey. you're like, look, I don't, <laughs> good luck with that. I don't even go to the bar. I, <laughs> right. I can't even remember what it's like in a bar. So right. I, I got you. Uh, and I guess for our listeners and our viewers, um, I believe it's true, but, um, would you say that, uh, Kid Rock, he is authentic and again, he can be polarizing and he's certainly, you know, had issues in the Metro Detroit area and he's chosen, uh, you know, to, to again, make his comments public. And so I don't think it's a show. I don't think he's doing it for, you know, publicity and all that. I think he's being true to himself. And I guess for our listeners and our viewers, maybe talk about that for just a minute. And then we're going to segue on to some other important topics we got to get to, but just again, let, you know, our viewers and our listeners know he is authentic and whether he's, um, you know, 
on the right track, on the wrong track, or what you, his point of view is from you know your perspective? As far as the right track and the wrong track, I, that's, that's not even the question. The answer to the question is, yes, he's authentic. And yes, he means what he says. And he means what he says. Keep this in mind, though. He is a human being. So just like I might mean what I say when I'm mad about something, I might mean it. But a couple minutes there, I might be like, eh, I probably shouldn't have said that. But oh, well. You know? But he's doing it in the public light, right? Um, but he means what he says, and he's authentic. And he stands by his word. And, uh, I mean, yeah, he's, he's 100% real cat. But he seems compassionate. He seems yeah. authentic, genuine, and truly a lover of people. He's got his, um, you know, his opinions on things. I'm sure we all do. Mm-hmm. But he seems that again, he's not uh, trying to, uh, you know, divide. It seems like he is trying to bring people together at least most of the time. Yeah, for sure, absolutely, man. He's, he's a good person. He's got a good heart. He's he's a giving guy. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Bob, good luck uh, leading the tour and to the rest <laughs> of your uh, cast. Better have their back, my friend, okay? <laughs> All right, so we're going to segue over to Paradigm. You yeah. heard of this guy? I, I actually have. Okay. I see him quite a bit. A.K.A. Dime. Okay, we're going to shore it up a little bit. So let's talk about you a little bit. And again, those early days. I know for all of you, our local listeners, our local viewers, you're a CC boy. That's Catholic yeah. Central for all yeah. those home gamers. Yeah, the, uh, let's Detroit, talk about when that. It, when, it was the, when it was the Redford CC. There was a time before Redford even, the, yeah. before, right? Yeah, there was, it was Outer Drive first in Detroit. And that's why it's Detroit CC. Okay. And then it was in Redford when I went there, and now it's uh, in no Wixom. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I'm familiar with the Redford days. That's uh, I guess that's where you cut your teeth, right? So yeah. 142 Double O Breakfast Drive. My man. Okay. <laughs> well, I knew you uh, were an athlete back in the day. So let's talk real quick mm-hmm. about how you were. You know, um, on the uh, Richie Cunningham path. Go look at that. Uh, reference up yeah, on Google, right? <laughs> but that's again, you were uh, an athlete, uh, Catholic Central, which is a uh, you know a uh, Catholic high school, yeah. and you were on a path, you know, of wearing a, a suit and tie to school or a blazer and a tie to school every day. To now, you just you know you won't take crap from nobody, and you'll get in that bar fight. So let's talk about those early days and then how you got into hip hop and I mean, all your amazingness. Everyone, I want everyone to know about just the decade you had like leading this town and the hip hop journey. Yeah, it's been it's been as far as like my my upgrade came from an amazing amazing family uh catholic church every sunday my mom dad good people my type two awesome sisters that support me and are, and are amazing couldn't have a better life upbringing and it was important to my mom and my dad and my sisters that you know we got proper education so we went to catholic schools and um you know when i went into into high school i was was not a great student but I wasn't the worst either I mean I loved football and then uh football was my thing but then lacrosse was there too and I was like I want to play lacrosse like I don't know anything about it I just know it looks like pro wrestling with sticks and I'm in and like lacrosse now like my stepson plays lacrosse in college now he would beat my ass in lacrosse when I played it was literally like just try to take everybody's heads off and so it was more of a brutal sport then now it's a lot more finesse and speed and I wouldn't even be able to hang but um, so yeah, I loved sports. I, you know, I messed around a little bit, but I was, I was a pretty good kid, but I loved hip hop. I was always drawn to hip hop, drew graffiti in my notebook. Even before that, in like fourth grade, uh, my cousin and I were into break dancing. So I fell in love with the music and the culture and its elements way early. And just, it was always my thing. Um, and then, like you said, in high school, sports was my thing, but always hip-hop, always, always. 
Um, and then I actually went to Northwood University on a lacrosse scholarship. Uh, that ended really fast <laughs> for a few reasons. But I went to Northwood. It's a business school. And I'm, there's not, I mean, I'm about my business, but I'm not a business person. First thing I was, I'm like, where's the radio station? And they're like, we don't have one. I'm like, I'll start one. And, you know, it just, it was a mistake. But um, I came home and um, my cousin and I just started making music. Like I was always rapping, you know, have a couple beers and I'd freestyle or make tapes or, you know, just little stuff. I always wanted to be an MC. I always wanted to be around music. And, um, was there, um, guitars and keyboards? I mean, were you like that musician or no, no, like hit straight up hip hop turntables and samplers and drum machines. And, you know, he was a DJ. He had crates and crates and crates of vinyl. He had, my cousin had, you know, for everything from the Bee Gees and Steely Dan and to hip hop stuff. So we'd sample it and put it together. I'd write my raps and then, you know, we go back to like, like we were talking about earlier, we'd sell these little cassette tapes, make money doing that, doing little shows at like house parties and you know we rent halls out and destroy them <laughs> do keg parties and you know slowly but surely uh you know we stuck with it and I stuck with it and like my name became you know I named myself paradigm and my name became bigger and bigger and bigger and the shows became bigger and bigger and bigger and instead of playing at some hall party they were calling us to play Alvin's downtown or you know play the magic bag or whatever and uh, we took it more seriously and then we were recording with Kid Rock and took it even more seriously when we went out with him and saw what he was doing and saw the importance of a live show. Um, so like I, I got a lot from him at that era too, before he was big, we, you know, uh, Mark and I cruised down to like Cincinnati with him, and he, I'll never forget this. This is a great story. We, he played a show as a Kid Rock show, full band lights, everything. And he came out of a casket. The, the song is back from the dead. So he's got a casket set up and he's in a fur coat and there's lights. Out. There were three people there. I kid you not. There were three people in the crowd. And I personally was like, man, I wouldn't get out of a goddamn casket right now. I look like an idiot. There's nobody here. Like I, he did the whole show. Like there was 8 billion people there rocked it, killed it. Next time he went back there instead of three people, there was 80. Next time he went back, there's 3000. You know what I'm saying? So I learned and my close friend Hex always said this, two or two million, because we played some shows where, like, we'd get out to some weird city and there'd be two. And he's like, two or two million, you know, play the same way, same show, same energy, same fun, and uh, that's always stuck with me, and, it's, and it worked, too. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't dial it down when, when you're not happy. You know what I mean? you got to keep it at 10. Yeah, and for all of our viewers and our listeners, again, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening in to this uh, podcast. And please, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave a comment. Or if it's on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, same thing. Give us a like, give us a follow, and share it with your friends and family. Together, everyone achieves more. And uh, Freddie, to that point, that doesn't matter if it's hip-hop. That doesn't matter if it's underground. That's business. That's mm -hmm. being a family. That's being a person is always giving your best and not choosing to do it based upon the situation. Right. That's what I firmly believe. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. probably every episode that again, you need to find out what consistent is and give it, but it better be consistently good. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was very important. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. It's, you got to give it all and it'll pay off at some point. So let's talk about, um, besides kid rock, there was this other guy, Eminem. 
Yeah. Have you heard of this guy? I, and, I uh, do. D12. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> I heard that uh, you know these guys and um, you have a, you know some relationships and some backstory there. And this is probably your prime time when you were running Detroit, basically. I mean, you were winning um, Artist of the Year repeatedly. So, again, maybe go through, you know, that period of time just so us older folks can remember yeah, and no. those younger folks can understand. The uh, As far as Eminem goes, man, there's no uh, – we were never close. We didn't hang out with each other. We did a couple gigs together. I've always, always respected and admired his work. There's nobody – I'll never, ever in my entire life say a bad word about that guy. He is insanity, always has been. And talk about somebody that's always been consistent and, and raised the bar, there's not even – not even anybody in the ballpark. Um, and uh, the D12 members, I was really close with a lot of those dudes. Uh, Proof, who passed away, a good friend of mine and a mentor. Um, Bugs, that was an original D12 member, also passed away. Great guy. But Denine Porter produced a bunch of music for me. Still still does. Um, bizarre. Con artist, Caniver, Swift. Those, those are all my guys. And, like, it was like this alumni well, I call it alumni now. It was like this group of people. It was Friday nights at St. Andrews. And it would be, if you could see now who was there in 97, 98, 99 as a, as a hip-hop fan, you, people's heads would, be, would explode because DJ House Shoes is DJing. He's, he's legendary and worldwide known. And the dudes from Slum Village are over here and the dudes from D12 are over here and I'm over here and there's, I mean, I, I could go on and on. Hush. And, it's, it was crazy because we had no idea what we were surrounded by. And then you would turn on the Grammys or something two years later and you're like, holy shit, it's St. Andrews on stage. It's crazy. But, um, but yeah, man, and I, it's, it's just been, it's a real, it's a different thing because everybody's genuinely cool. There was a lot of fighting. It was Friday nights, but it was never amongst, it was never amongst crew members. You know what I mean? It'd be people that were, you know, shit happens, but when it comes down to it, it was a, is a really solid group of people that, that all were connected through creativity and through what they did. And I'm still friends to this day, man. It was a pretty cool time. Pretty cool. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I had heard a few of those stories and uh, it brings back great memories every time, uh, you know, just bring those things up the nostalgia that kicks yeah. in, you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Man. But so let's talk about your solo career and let's talk about your albums. Let's talk about the things that you're doing uh, now. Um, and I know you're also uh, you know, I want to say progressing, but you're transcending. But, but before we get into that, let's talk about back in those days. Again, your solo career, your albums, just all of your, you know, your um, wants, wishes, dreams, and realities. Yeah, I mean, my first record uh, was called Paragraphs. It came out in '99, and it uh, it was a big deal. Like I didn't think that it would be. I thought it was cool that I was doing a record, but um, all the local magazines and newspapers, you know, the news, the free press, the Metro Times, Real Detroit at the time. I, I, my face was all over all that stuff, and I was like, whoa, okay. Um, and then things got bigger, and my name was popping up in, you know, national magazines and stuff in Europe, and it was really a cool experience. I don't think that I really got what was going on at the time. I don't know if I was arrogant or dumb or both, but um, – I look back and I was like, man, I would have done things a little bit differently. I would have been a little bit more strategic and a little bit smarter, but I was just like trying to get the bag. I was trying to get, you know, get money every week. Like, let's go play the blind pig in Ann Arbor again because it's a good paycheck. But, you know, I was just playing the same places over and over again because I was like, I don't want to work. I've got, I can make music now. This is cool. Um, so the second record uh, was Vices 
and talk about a cool night. Like we did the state theater, um, which was a big deal to do the state theater at my level. And I was really against it. I was like, that's too much. It's too big. We, there's no way we're going to fill it up and it's going to look stupid. I don't know. And I didn't come out and look at the crowd. I didn't go out, didn't leave my dressing room, had some great openers and whatever. And people would come back and be like, what up, dude? Man, it's crazy out there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't see the crowd until the curtains opened. And I came out of a porta john, which is a whole nother story. We had this cool setup that was, looked like a junkyard, but we rented a porta john. I don't think we ever paid for it still to this day. But we had smoke machines. And I came out of a porta john for the first song. And that was the first time that I had seen we sold out the state theater. And I was like, holy shit, man, this is real. Um, and from that time, I just kept doing my thing, kept doing my thing. I, like I said, I wish that I had been a little bit smarter and played my cards a little bit differently, been a mo- little bit more serious about it. I think I was a li- having a little bit too much fun with it. <laughs> but, uh, what age were you, uh, at that time, would you say? So uh, probably 25 or something like that. Yeah. Probably 20, I don't know, some, somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, I was, I was alive somehow. I don't know. But I, but it was just, it was a blast, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, we were partying and fighting and making music and running around and it was all my best friends and all my best friends got to go wherever the hell I was going. And that was work and it was great. You know what I mean? So it was a cool time. Um, and I made a lot of great music, definitely not the the music that I would put out now. You know what I mean? Not the music that I want my my beautiful children's ears to ever come across, but it was me then, you know what I mean? Or it was who I was being too. So, uh, yeah, definitely a different time. And, um, and special, like you said, I won a ton of awards, got a lot of recognition. Uh, I think I, I garnered and got a lot of respect from people, um, and made some great relationships with a lot of cats that I'm still cool with now. So I'm really blessed that it, that it was what it was. I, I, you know, I didn't get any enemies out of it. I didn't have many haters. I, th- I think people appreciated what, what I did when I was doing it. So, What would be one or uh, a few of your most memorable or most, I guess, prized awards, uh, you know, or, you know, accolades that you got back then? Um, there was a, uh, the Detroit Music Awards was always a cool thing. Um, and winning any of those was cool. But I got album of the year, which I think wasn't even part of a hip hop category. I think it was just like album of the year. And that was for Vices. And that was a, a little bit mind-blowing. Uh, and then also there was uh, Detroit Hip Hop Awards, which was not a big thing, but it was voted on by rappers and by the hip-hop community. So it wasn't, you know, because sometimes, you know, with like the Detroit Music Awards, anybody voted that, you know, you, you'd have to sign up and, and vote. But I, I think a lot of times I would think people would be like, oh, well, it's Kid Rock's DJ, let's, you know. Let's sign him in, whatever. Detroit Music Award or Detroit Hip Hop Awards was rappers and DJs and MCs that that were part of that that collective, like I was talking about. And when I won awards from that type of thing, that meant the most to me because those are the people that I truly wanted to impress and that I wanted to make sure they were happy with what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like not happy with, but that they were like respected it. Like shit, Paradigm does his thing. You know. So when I got that kind of respect, that's that's what meant the most to me. They call that peer-to-peer. Yep. Right? That's exactly right. Acknowledged and appreciated by your peers. Yep. That's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. When uh, did your family, your current family, come into play? When did your uh, wife come around or, uh, you know, did you have to go and beat her over the head with a <laughs> stick and drag her back to the cave? Uh, <laughs> or she's running, she might still be running to this day. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, she's uh, like, oh, God, no. But, now, uh, um, 
we had been friends for a long time. Uh, it's a, it's a really long story, but, but beautiful. Um, uh, we really got together like in like 2012, 2013. Um, and I, I don't know what I would have ever done without her. Like people say that, you know, like behind any good man is a woman behind every King is a queen. And, uh, with all those stories and all that sloppiness that I just talked about, it was like, she came into my life, um, and was like, cool. That was awesome. But if we're going to ever move forward, I want things a certain way, not, not, and not in a bitchy way, in a, in a phenomenal way, in a solid way. Like, look, Hey, I will never stop you from doing your thing, but this is my thing. Um, and I respected it and I wanted to be with her and I still to this day. And I said, you know, if, you know, my Instagram, when I post on her birthday, which I know is cheesy, but I'm, I mean it. She saved my life for sure. Because I was definitely going down the wrong path. It was, you know, I was having the time of my life. I thought I was, but I'd make music during the day, and I'd it'd be, you know, noon, twelve thirty, and I'm making a beat and be like, yeah, I'll have a beer, you know, like just now when came this beautiful podcast studio, by the way, coming here, and the engineer's like, yeah, if you want a bourbon, there's a bourbon right there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ten years ago, I would have been like, yeah, bro, Put the bottle set the, the table, bottle up, right? let's go, right. and it's just. A, a, a bunch of switches flipped in my head uh, and because of her. And she definitely, uh, she's an amazing woman, amazing mother. She was a mother before we got together. Um, so she brought her, her son into the mix who I love and support. I told you he's a lacrosse player, very proud of him. Um, and then we had our, our first son together, Louie, who's eight now. And then our daughter, Annie. And my God, did that daughter's, do you have a daughter? I do. My <laughs> dude, 13-year-old eighth grader, and uh, she is the star of the show, Jillian. Oh, Daddy's man. always loving, but daddy's always watching. Yeah. <laughs> Did she take her amoxicillin? My daughter won't take her amoxicillin. I don't know why. Anyway, but my family uh, changed my life in the, in the best way. I'm still the same person, you know, but I make decisions based on their well-being first. Um and it's worked out phenomenally. It's not like, like when you say that it almost sounds like I'm sacrificing, but I'm not sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. It's, it makes sense to me now. And all the things before it, I look back and I'm like, what the, what the fuck were you thinking, dude? You know, but if it wasn't for those mistakes, it wouldn't be here. So, well, again, I think in any relationship, um, it's a team effort, yeah. right? And so for it to be successful, there's obviously communication, Mm -hmm. trust and respect, but also you have to be good teammates. You have to be there to lift each other up, pick each other up when you're down. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's easy to say hard to do, but when you have that relationship, um, there's nothing better out there. No, right? no, for sure. There's like my, and it makes it that much crazier that when I do have to tour, when I do have to go places, I can't stand it because I love being with them. I want to be with my family all the time. It's the greatest place in the world. They're, they're awesome. And, uh, yeah, man, I've, I've everything to owe to her, everything. There's no question about it. I don't say that to just be nice and be sweet. Like she fucking saved my life and is, and is the jewel of my existence for sure. 
Well, give her a shout out, and uh, you obviously did on Instagram. I'm sure you'll give her some more. Uh, <laughs> Always. Mother's Day's coming up, yeah, and yeah, uh, Wife's yeah. Day's every day. Yeah, I'm going to get her a what to do, what would Dewey do coffee cup. Fantastic. Well, we'll try to do even a little bit better than that, okay? <laughs> uh, all right, well, listen, we're going to segue into a part of the show that I love the most, and I think our viewers and our listeners do as well. As you know, this is the What Do We Do podcast, as you yeah. just said, but... Every once in a while, Freddie, people get sick of hearing what do we do, and they want to know what someone else do. So this is your show, this is your time, and we call it What Freddie Do. And what that means is, what would Freddie Paradigm Beauregard go back and tell his 18-year-old self or other 18-year-olds out there today to live their best life? That's, that's a toughie, because here's the thing. I've been asked that question a lot. That's a pretty common question. But what? as a timeout, no, 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 okay. no. But th- you think about it, people say, what would you go back or what would you change? Or that, I guess that's it. What would you do differently? What would you tell your 18 year old self? And I thought about this. I don't know that I'd tell myself shit. I might tell myself, Hey man, you're all right. You know, it's going to be fine. But I also think that I wouldn't want to give them any hints. I believe in that whole butterfly effect thing where I wouldn't want to say something to myself and be like, oh, well, then maybe I shouldn't do this or I should do this because I wouldn't want anything, and I'm not kidding, I wouldn't want anything different than it is right now. I'm busier than I've ever been in my entire life. I'm crazier than I've ever been in my entire life. My, you know, my to-do list is four miles long. I'm not sitting still ever, but I'm more successful. I'm more grounded. I'm wealthier. I'm smarter. I feel more supportive and more loved. And I don't think that I ever would have been there if I hadn't been a complete and total fat jackass for the first half of my life. My mom even said to me before, she's like, I didn't really like you till you were 40. I hope she was kidding, but she didn't like you, but she loved you. Right. Yeah. But, but I'm saying like, that's really the truth. Like I, I don't think without making all these stupid mistakes and done, doing things the way that I did them that, uh, I don't know. I don't think that, that it'd be the same thing and I wouldn't want anything to change. I've got, you know, I've got this incredible music history. I've got, uh, my gig with kid rock, which is, you know, something special and different and crazy. And then I've got, um, our mutual friend, Dean, um, I'm working with shout out to Dino Dean. man. Dean is are you kidding me? Dean is the greatest. There's no person in the world like Dean Brody. You know that, right? 100%. I'm telling you. What? Shout out to Dean. Dean's my guy. But um, the, the things that we're doing at Revel Moments are super impressive, super exciting. And like, I'm waking up every day and I write for other artists. I produce music. I'm doing videos. I'm doing everything. And it's, but it's not too much because I love it all. You know, so... um I'm really blessed. I'm really lucky. And I don't think 18 year old me had any idea what he was doing, but I don't think he had any idea that it would be as good as it is now either. So, all right. So let's give one minute to what would you tell those 18 year olds out there today? Would you tell them the same thing? No, I would say, I mean, I'd say, take care of yourself. Take care of your, you know what? Let's go back to Dean Brody. Let me see if I get this right. He's got the F's family, faith, and fitness. And I would say finance too. I don't know if Dean throws the full. I like that I finance. See, yeah. Throw that in there for sure. But if you take care of those, you start your day with those things. You know, pray to who you pray to, and be appreciative and show gratitude. Take care of your family. Hug and kiss your wife and your kids, and do some sit ups. Hit the gym. Whatever. Take care of your body. 
rest of the day you play with house money. And like, I really try to now, because <laughs> there was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of times where those, yeah, I was not taking care of any of that shit. But now I can look back and be like, oh, I get it now. So I would tell 18 year olds, take care of yourself, man. Get your, you know what's crazy that we talk about all the time, my wife and I, what they don't teach credit to kids in schools, do they? I mean, they might have started to now. I'm 108, so maybe they did. But they don't teach credit. Nobody taught me about credit. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't know why. I think that's so important. So I think if you pay people back, man, don't, don't borrow money and not pay people back. Don't open up credit cards if you don't need that shit. Like, don't take care of your finances. Take care of your fitness. Take care of your health. Pray. Show gratitude. Breathe the air. And you'll figure it out. Amen, brother. Appreciate yeah. that. Uh, I'm going to ask about that shiny bling on your finger right there. I see ah. a big old English D. Is there a story behind that? Uh, that's the Detroit Tiger logo for those that don't yeah. know. But is there a story behind that? That's like my signature ring. Yeah, actually there is. So Jason Krause, who is uh, the rhythm guitar player in, in Twisted Brown Trucker Band. He's been with Kid Rock since the very beginning. That's my guy. He's literally like my brother. So not literally, but he's like my brother. Um. And he had this made, and it's this is not some cheap costume shit. That's real. There's 47 diamonds in it. Um, and he would wear it around, and at one point, he was like, look, man, you're a rapper. <laughs> I'm a guitar player. This doesn't make any sense on me. And he gave it to me. He, give, he gave this to me. And I've worn it, I mean, every day since. Um, and it's become like, it's... I don't think I've ever done a photo shoot where the photographer's not like, hey, itch your nose or pull your hat down or hold a microphone, you know? It's like, a, it's, you know, I mean, I've that thing's like my trademark. And there's probably some people walking around with little backwards Ds on their heads at some point in life. Oh, but. boy. Oh <laughs> you like that over there? You like that? I'm the, kidding. The engineer. I'm just the serious. The engineer on the other side of the glass. I'm just Fell serious. off his chair. That's fantastic. Well, we're, no, we're going to slowly but surely wrap up the show today, Paradigm. But uh, before we go, what else would you like to tell um, you know, our audience about what you're doing now, what's coming next, um, and then just something we may not have touched on today that we want to make sure we uh, do? Yeah, I don't know. I'm um, putting a lot of time and effort into, into the work at Rebel Moments. I think people go follow um, Rebel Moments on your socials and check it out. Really cool Um platform where athletes and soon to be artists can communicate and talk to their fans and fans can experience a more humanized version. So it's not just like, Hey, you know, what do you, why do you shoot your three pointer like that? It's more like the athlete themselves. Like, what do you miss about home? You know, things like, you know, things that you don't get to hear. Authentic. Authentic. Exactly. Um, so I'm doing a lot of work uh, with rebel moments. It's really cool. Really excited about that. Um, there's been, um, some pretty decent offers that have come across the table for another paradigm album. And I don't know that I can push them off anymore. So I, I don't ever, I've never, ever in my entire life stopped making music when, uh, when my wife and I got together and the kids came and I kind of just took a hiatus cause it didn't mesh. Cause I wasn't like, well, I'm not going to go to the bars and rap and then come home and give my beautiful daughter a bottle smelling like cool cigarettes or something, you know? Um, so I kind of just stopped, but I always made music, you know? Um, so I've got some, I've had some people approach me about doing some projects and I don't think I can say no anymore. It's just, I want to make music. I just, you know, 
I can still do it being me. You know what I'm saying? So um, I would say that's probably next on the horizon real soon. Um, but other than that, man, it's just staying busy and making and creating and writing music and creating video and whatever it is, man. I just want to create. It's, I know it sounds nerdy, but it's just that's that's the way I'm wired. So. Well, fantastic. Well, again, we really appreciate you no, coming man, by. Thank, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's been a good time. This place is nice. I love the show. I really enjoyed the Ben Lyons episode. Ben Lyons is a really cool guy, man. I, I, I really watched that and, and enjoyed it, and then I watched more. It's been great. So you have a great show, man. Congratulations. Well, thank you again for that. We really appreciate it. And it takes uh, guests like you to make it happen, <laughs> you know. And so where can our listeners and our viewers find you on your socials? Uh, they're just... Uh, I spell paradigm, P-A-R-A-D-I-M-E. So um, Instagram, Twitter, that's just at sign paradigm. I'm there. It's main, and it, right now it's mainly just pictures of the daddy-daughter dance and stuff like that. Well, there'll be some breaking <laughs> news about the next album maybe coming out shortly. Yeah, and then, um, you know, the concert tour, again, is coming around. That is No Snowflakes yep, coming to a city near you. Probably in the month of July. Yep, yep. And uh, from there, we'll keep in touch and we'll let everyone know what you're doing along the way for the rest of your journey. Fair absolutely. enough? Absolutely. Awesome, man. Thanks for All having right, me. All right, Freddie Paradigm it. Beauregard, yeah, thanks for coming on in. And this has been episode 79 of the What Do We Do podcast. And as I always say, live your best life, be radically generous, a great big booyah to you. And this has been episode 79 with Freddie Paradigm Beauregard, but we're just getting started. The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.